This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day and welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network with Pastor Xavier Reese. Pastor X, how are you doing today? We're Good, Tony. To Good, very well. We want to welcome everybody as we are going to look into the days of Noah today. Amen. Going to spend some time in the book of Genesis. Also with us in the studio today, our production engineer, Jonathan Duran. Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 144 on Tuesday, the 12th of November, 2019. And we are going to spend some time in the book of Genesis today, mm-hmm. looking at specifically the time of Noah. You know, Pastor X, in, in listening to you, one of the things that you reiterate as you teach through the scripture is the importance of the early chapters of the book of Genesis. The, I guess the book of Gen- the word Genesis means beginning. Right, right. And that's really what happens. Right yeah, there. The beginning of creation, the beginning of sin, the beginning with the fall, the beginning of God's kingdom, his will, everything. We see the nature of mankind all played out very specifically there and God's plan of redemption getting started. So it's awesome to look at that. Uh, Christians, we as believers, and we talk about this from time to time, we really believe that uh, our cur- current world situation is in pretty dire circumstances for a lot of reasons, not only uh, politically or culturally, but morally. And in a lot of different ways, we really believe that we're in the near future at some point. Obviously, we don't know exactly when. Sometime looking to God's judgment upon the nation we live in, the United States, but also the whole world. Yes. We believe that this is going to happen. Yes. And and it's very clear that um, uh, Jesus himself made reference to the days of Noah mm-hmm. for his return. Now, either Jesus was a complete liar or he believed in such a man as Noah. He believed in a cataclysmic worldwide flood as God's judgment upon a godless world. Or um, So it's either true or not. Right. You can't you can't play with it. Those are the options. And and and, and the days of Noah are over and over again mentioned in the New Testament by the words of Jesus about the Lord returning. He also adds Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And certainly we are there in terms as we'll examine the text of the days of Noah. Amen. You know, it's interesting how people you hear people publicly speak out and they, they'll even quote the words of Jesus, but they never deal with those two options. I mean, okay, you want to quote Jesus? Is what he said true? They'll never really engage that at all. Right. They, want, they, they want to sidestep it. They want to be able to sure. allude to what he said and speak well of what he did without really uh, looking at their own lives or uh, examining sure. what well, they... people are very selective. They're going yeah. to quote. And we all do it to a certain extent. We don't want to be hypocritical. We, I may quote um, Herodotus, the historian, or I may quote uh, Josephus about something that verifies the scripture while I would not quote him on something else because he's completely off the wall. Okay. But the standard is the word of God. Amen. If we can find secular documents or secular beings that affirm the word of God, we'll use them. When they contradict the word of God, we will not use them because they have not spoken 
inerrant and infallibly by the Spirit of God, but we trust that they did record some accurate facts of history, though most history is not real accurate because it's always biased one way or another. It's so true. To history, it belongs to the winners. Yeah. You know, whoever wins, they get to rewrite the history. We see that in the, you know, in the 20th century of the United States, the Great Wars and things that took place. You mentioned a moment ago, Pastor X, the uh, flood, the worldwide flood that took place. And it's interesting, if there was a worldwide flood that actually took place some thousands of years ago, wouldn't we find evidence to support that? Everywhere in the world? Yes, and that's exactly what we do. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we, we uh, live over a, um, a geographical burial, a cemetery. Yeah. Everywhere in the world, if they core down, if they, uh, they'll find in the strata, you know, when you go and you go to school and you take geology or, mm-hmm. or biology, they'll speak to you about all the different... Uh, evolutionary processes and the exceptions to the rule and and of course the exception to the rule is always on their side you know they they and it's an invented thing because rather than seeing the core of evidence of God's judgment that you have throughout the world skeletal remains fossil remains a fossil can only be made when an earth uh, or a mountain bird, like a mountain or things, get buried instantly. There has to be some great pressure There has involved. to be a great pressure, instantaneous mm-hmm. burial. Mm-hmm. Now, there are still some fossils made when, like, say, Mount St. Helen. Okay. But not worldwide. All the world has burial fossils and remains and also a congregation of all kinds of different forms of life that are not um, friendly towards each other, mm-hmm. as we know. And their bones are piled together, crushed together, which cries out God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Yet man is so rejecting the Word of God and the record of creation that he then inv- invents an entire different system. Rather than allowing the evidence to speak for itself, they contort the evidence and reinterpret it. Mm -hmm. Rather than judgment, they interpret it to mean the beginning of life. Just a contradiction of the Bible. It's kind of terrifying. Yes. You know, people are are very creative, and you, you never want to underestimate them. You know, as we, the Lord has placed us in a, in a cause and effect universe. We recognize that there are consequences to our actions. When we do things, there's a result. And for the God of the universe to bring those kind intentionally and purposely, which the scripture tells us he did, to bring those kinds of consequences upon the world, there had to be some really substantial cause. And, and, and that's why it's important to judge things according to the Word of God. Amen. Because God gives us reasons, um, historical, textual reasons, and evidence for His actions. Um, certainly the Bible could have been 20 times longer than it is. Oh, yes. God didn't intend to record every little thing, but He did record what was necessary to trace his character, his divine power, his approval, his disapproval, and his promises and his warnings 
of judgment. That's such an important point that, you know, this God gave us in the scripture really what we needed to go forward, to trust him and to learn of him. Pastor X, there are a lot of people out there, many from the academic community that are going to relate to the story of Noah and the flood as a legend or some kind of mythology. How do we respond to them? Well, again, the evidence speaks for itself. The Noah flood is uh, universally accepted in different cultures. Mm -hmm. Not identical, because you have only one original. Right. And then you have counterfeits. Now, the counterfeit is trying to be as close to the original as possible, but it's never original. So you have one authentic original record, the Word of God. Then you have the evidence that every culture knew about a worldwide flood, though they may have distorted and contorted it and changed it a little bit. The common denominator is that there was a man and some people in a boat that escaped a worldwide flood. Amen. Okay? The evidence of fossil record. All of this people ignore. Yeah. They sidestep it. It's fascinating that, I mean, even on the tallest mountains of the world, you have evidence of there having been sea life at some point. Once again, the Bible says that the earth broke up from the fountains of the deep. It rained from the top down. Forty days. You have now a breaking of the earth's crust, the mantle, breaking through. You have heavy weight of water depressing into valleys, mountain ranges surging up, uplifting, and you have the balance of isosceles of land and water mass. Mm -hmm. And and you have also, when you look at the figures of of, of Noah and and the ark, the length of it and the the flatness of it and everything, that when you measure from wave crest, from crest to crest, mm-hmm. um, it, the, 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 the half of the crest distance will measure exactly how deep that object will go into the water. Okay. And when you measure the height of the arc, it's exactly 22 and a half feet to be able to miss the tallest mountain. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 speaking of the Ark, you know, I would love to be able to go to Kentucky so to I. see the Ark experience. And, and there yeah. again, you have the evidence of the <laughs> yeah. literal size and everything, mm-hmm. but people mock it. People, you know, because they don't believe in God or that God will judge sin. And so we believe that we are, you know, um, we are more intelligent. We, we can't believe We're more sophisticated. like that. Yeah, yeah we... You know, we don't believe in that nonsense. Um, Well, that nonsense is right below your feet. (laughs) It's pretty factually sustainable. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, you know, in reality, Pastor X, we are rapidly approaching a time when there will be people, and I mean adults in this country, that have never heard the account of the biblical flood of Noah. Yes. I believe there's even today. Really? Oh, yeah. There's people now. We are a post-Christian nation. Okay. Now... For those of you listening, the United States was never a Christian nation. That was not the intent of the Founding Fathers. The intent of the Founding Fathers was to create a nation that would give freedom to the people who were tyrannically oppressed by King George. Liberty, freedom of speech, freedom to defend themselves, and to provide for themselves. And in this, they use 
the God of the Bible. Uh, king George was the most powerful king on the earth. Yeah. And when you look at the Constitution, uh, God is the one that solicited. Yes. The Bill of Rights, these are inalienable rights by God. So you have to claim someone more powerful than the king, which is God. It's the God of the Bible. You cannot say that the God that the preamble and the Federalist Papers and the Bill of Rights is not the God of the Bible because how do you justify all or explain all the scriptures that are on the monuments at Washington Amen. by all the founding fathers? Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, not all of them were Christian, but the majority of them were. Yeah. Many of them were. Amen. And they believe that if people fear God, if they have a belief in God, even if it isn't exactly the God of the Bible, then they believe that they are accountable to someone who sees everything and that one day they're going to have to give an account. That is an incredible power over an individual's conduct. <coughs> so the Constitution was created to make people, to conduct people morally and ethically for the sake of the individual and society. Now, many of them were Christians, but not everybody. Right. But the nation is based on Judeo-Christian principles and the scriptures. Because certainly a Christian nation would not abort 65 million babies. No. No, sir. Uh, a Christian nation would not teach uh, um, that living together is okay, fornication is okay, adultery is okay, there's no big deal, homosexuality. Yeah. That is not a Christian nation, but there are a lot of Christians in this nation. There are, many. And mm -hmm. now we're diminishing. Mm -hmm. We are post-Christian as, per se, a populace of the nation. But the documents still stand, mm -hmm. though they're being ignored, mm -hmm. though they're being denied, though they're being contradicted, they still stand. Mm -hmm. Even like maybe less than 100 years ago in the early 30s and you had a lot of animated films on noah's ark and a lot of bible oh, stories sure. you know so even in culture at that time it was still absolutely uh, commonly known well the thing is is that the movie industry in its infancy when they were doing silent films and even thereafter mm -hmm. they had a very hard time appealing to the majority of the people in this country interesting because there was such a strong christian perspective interesting and people saw they saw the uh, uh, abuses and the excesses sure. in the entertainment industry. Sure. They recognize that there was an attack against the scriptures. That's right. They saw yeah. that. And so what happened is, is the people in the movie industry back in the day appealed and they went back and did, you know, uh, the story of Jesus. Yes. And then they did Ben-Hur and they did, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. And, and they've, yeah. you know, done these numerous times in order yeah. to appeal. Even the cartoons. The cartoons, there was Noah's Flood. That's right. what we were just saying, exactly. yeah. In the 19, <laughs> 1930, early 30s, there was, yeah, yeah. those old yeah. cartoons. Yeah. But, you know... Yeah, the truth is, the scripture gives us a great lesson not to be concerned if we're found in the minority. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we don't worry about that because we, we honestly, we really expect it. We expect that. It's interesting, Pastor X, in the account of Genesis, one of the things that directly connects our present world to the creation of Adam and Eve is we look at the genealogy of these people, it's fascinating how the Lord placed the flood at a particular place in order to give us a direct connection back to the world of Adam and Eve. Yes. 
And as you look at the genealogical records there, you know, he traces us. He gives us a certain amount of, of years that a person lived, mm -hmm. the connection of their families and all that. And um, uh, though some believe that it's there's no gap there, others believe there is. Okay. But again, if you just look at the overall schedule of that, you have from Genesis, the creation, um, to Abraham, you have 2,000 years. And from Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years. Amen. And we've been, uh, we're in the year um, 2,000 right now. That's 6,000 years. Now we know there's going to be a 1,000-year millennium. That would be 7,000. Um, so we know that these times have uh, actually expired. And yeah. we are now still presently here and we as we look at the world and we see the relationship in parallel to the days of noah then we know that the day is near Amen. no one knows the day or the hour but we're to be ready watching and praying that we escape all those terrible things that will come upon the world and so this is the proclamation of the gospel and that's what jesus tells us to that's pray right. always that we would escape those things interesting so noah's father lamech was the ninth generation from adam and then it's interesting that the longevity of the people during the early part of the creation had a lot to do with the continuous, uh, actually, chain of custody right. of the, the events that took place. Uh, not only their length of life in the midst, Noah had some very interesting ancestors, a couple of guys in Noah's family lineage that were, were interesting, specifically uh, one Enoch, for sure. He's very unique. Mm. Yeah, he never died. Um, and so he was translated. Enoch uh, walked with God, was not, for God took him. Um, he is one of two people who have never died physically. And yet Hebrews um, uh, 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. We know that there are two witnesses that are going to come during the tribulation period. They're going to give the Antichrist a bad time. They're going to have uh, authority and power to bring down fire from heaven, um, stop praying, do all kinds of different things. And, uh, and then when their ministry is over with, then God is going to allow them to be overcome and killed by the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. Now, one of them for sure is Elijah. Right. He, because Malachi tells us that. He's going to okay? be. Mm -hmm. But the second one, many people speculate it could be Moses. It could be, there's a the thing, a promise to Zerubbabel. So, well, uh, we don't know um, exactly for sure, but we do know that those two have never died. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to choose somebody, I would make my choice of Enoch because he and has Elijah. never died. Okay. And Elijah. Right. Very now, interesting. It could be somebody else. could be Moses. Some people say Moses because he's going to turn water into blood and all that. Well, God can do that to anybody else. And also he showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration. Right. People think. So they know. say the law and the prophets, and yeah. it could be. Yeah. But my choice is the two that have never died, uh, Enoch and Elijah. And then uh, uh, the other guy that is really interesting in the lineage of Noah here is the guy Methuselah. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's the longest living individual, yeah. 969 years. Yeah. In fact, Methuselah died the day of the flood. Wow, is that crazy? When he dies, mm -hmm. the end will come is what literally his name means. And so God gave all these. Now you stop and think about all these years. You have um, God is uh, using Noah to preach uh, for 120 years. 
Okay. How many times people argue about is that 120 years, meaning that now man's life is going to be less, No, not like the 969 and all that. Well, if we look at how long Noah and them lived after the flood, it can't be to that. No. It has to be to the preaching. Yes. Okay. So the context indicates exactly what it is. And yet God was very patient and he used Noah and his sons, their wives, his wife, to proclaim the judgment to come. Now, the people did not believe. No. 120 years. The Bible tells us that uh, God never brings judgment unless he reveals it to his prophets. Yeah. And there's never any judgment that is revealed to us in Scripture that God did not warn long in advance. So he's very patient. Beginning with this first worldwide judgment of 120 years before he brings in the flood. Um, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. God sent a couple of angels down there. And he didn't um, bring judgment until a lot was removed. Right. Um, Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago. And he declared that God is going to come and judge the world. Um, people have turned to it, believing it. Amen. The majority have not. Mm -hmm. A continuing unbelief. But the judgment is coming as much as Noah, as much as Sodom and Gomorrah, as much as Jesus proclaimed judgment over Jerusalem, yeah. and in 70 AD, Titus destroyed it and leveled it, that judgment will come. Be it in my lifetime or somebody else, it doesn't matter. It will come. Amen. One of the things that, as I look at this, so great about the account in the book of Genesis, it gives us an understanding of exactly where the information came from. We have this continuous chain of custody right. from Adam all the way to Abraham. Right. Because I, although... Um, Noah didn't know Adam. His father was in the in the time span where he could have actually known Adam right. at that time. And then, of course, Adam, Noah lives into the life of Abraham right. following. Right. The close proximity of Noah to Adam's death may, may seem a bit long until you put it in relationship to their lifespan okay. being vital for the transfer of the information. Um, the average lifespan of all 10 generations that we have recorded in Genesis 5 is 857 years. If you divide the 126 years of gap between Noah and Adam's death into the average age of 857 years, you get the ratio of 6.8 in proportion to the 857 years. Now, if you take 70 years as the average age of a man today okay. and divide the ratio by 6.8 into 70, you come up with 10.2 years. Now, let me show you the relationship from Noah to us. So to get an accurate concept of the time separation between Noah and Adam, it would be as if your grandfather had died 10.2 years ago before your birth, yet your father had known him a good 40 to 45 years to communicate all he knew about him to you. That makes it really clear. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knew. I mean, when you look how long Adam lived, Adam knew God created him. Adam knew that God gave him all authority. God, Adam knew that he blew it. Adam knew that judgment was upon the earth and men had to re be redeemed and repent. Amen. Adam knew this and he communicated this throughout and all the others. They're all his descendants. And they, he was alive way down the road 
So there's no, I didn't know it. And really, realistically, he did an amazing job of communicating because, I mean, he gave them, you know, the prophecies of the coming Messiah. Right. All those details are all wrapped up in the early part of Genesis, yeah. a lot of which Adam was the only one who was there. Right. And so he, he did an amazing job. Yeah. And all this information made it through Noah to Abraham's father, Terah, and then on into Abraham. Yeah. And in the new world, you have his sons. Yes. The yeah. eight people came into the new world with that record understanding and now with a greater emphasis the judgment yeah that god did not lie god judged the world it was not a local flood it was not a regional flood it was a worldwide flood the tallest mountains have sea sediments shells whatever as they press upward from the oceans. It just, you know, Pastor X, it bears witness so powerfully to God's meticulous effort to preserve the testimony of Scripture. Yes. You know, and when we, we look back through the, our history of the modern world, you know, to the skeptics and the atheists who sought to destroy the Scripture, and, and it's just, it's amazing because it's a fruitless effort. Yes. God's going to protect the Scripture. Yes. We're going to have the Bible. The Lord promised. Voltaire boasted he was going to destroy the Scripture and Christianity. Um, what happened to him? Well, he, he died. <laughs> Who? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about it. He, no, actually, he died, and then they... They printed Bibles on his printing press yep. in his house. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Yes, which yes. Which is kind of, yes. you know, poetic Ironic. license. God does have a sense of humor. Yes. Yeah. And he hears the things we say. God help us. Well. You know, when we think about the flood of Noah and the amazing scope of the judgment, which is, I mean, larger, more than I can imagine, we know that there's a reason. Do we find specific reason as the Lord lists the situation of man in the early part of of Genesis there, Pastor X? Well, in chapter 6, it begins to tell us, um, but he's already told us that the heart of man is deceitful yeah. and constantly wicked. Uh, the imagination of his uh, mind and heart are evil continually. But in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it gives us the perversity of the angels uh, of the days of Noah. Now, I say angels because we're going to walk through it and we'll, we'll, we'll explain what, what, what the scriptures declare here. Um, there was something happened that that kind of was the last straw for God's judgment in chapter 6. Amen. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple, and we'll be right back with you after these messages. Throughout the Gospels, we're witness to the apostles' humanity in their struggles and triumphs. Yet, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, these 12 men would come to turn the world upside down. And it's from a recent study series that Pastor Xavier Reese has combined 12 messages highlighting each of the apostles into one CD pack or single MP3 disc available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. In this new 12 Apostle series, you'll discover how Peter, James, John, Philip, Matthew, and all the apostles were not just chosen, called, and commissioned by Jesus, but equally enabled to accomplish the ministry to which they were called even as we, the saints, are today. It's the 12 Apostle Series, packaged in a brand new audio CD pack for $32 or in a single MP3 disc for just $12 plus shipping. Look for the new 12 Apostle Series when you browse the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Pastor Xavier Reese and the only path to safety. When you're in a building, there's a fire escape attached to the outside of the building. 
I can't even imagine a fireman coming in and saying, here, follow me, this is the way out. Oh, no, no, I can't go out that way. It's the only way. No, 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 I, I go the other way. You die. He made one way, Jesus Christ. It has never changed. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. There are many familiar yet important figures in the Bible who are recognized for their strength and character. And while considering these strong figures, it's important to remember that a number of them are women. Women who inspire not only because of how they lived, but also because of their rock-solid faith. And that's why Pastor Xavier Reese has chosen to highlight several scriptural examples from the Old and New Testaments for a new study series compiled together in one convenient audio CD pack or single MP3 disc titled 12 Women of the Bible, available now at calvarychapelpasadena.com. You'll be inspired by the courageous accounts of Esther, the widow Ruth, the disciple Mary Magdalene, and many more in this audio CD pack for $32 or single MP3 disc for just $12 plus shipping. Look for the 12 Women of the Bible series available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion addressing issues of consequence for the church. Hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple. We're today spending some time in the early chapters of the book of Genesis talking about the time of Noah, the flood, and some of the events around then. I want to encourage everybody, take advantage of those uh, Biblical resources made available on the website and other opportunities. Uh, we actually, uh, our, our studio engineer, John Duran, told me we have a prayer request from our, our brother and sister, Vincent and Melissa Aniku. We do. We do. Uh, Melissa just sent them over to me and um, a couple requests that she asked for everybody to pray for. Uh, one is uh, praying for the hospital. Uh, the enemy is attacking their hospital ministry through government officials. They're, she says in her words, maliciously intending to question our operation. Wow, that's, so that's terrible. Terrible. Thing. I mean, it's yeah. not like there's a hospital on every corner in, yeah. in Medigo, Uganda. Yeah, right, right. Wow. Yeah, so that's one prayer. And another is uh, pray for laborers uh, to disciple pastors in the camps. Um, and then also pray uh, for the needs... Uh, and more open doors to reach the community through the sports ministry that God's been using out there. Amen. The soccer team, yeah. Lord's doing a great work. We're looking forward to having uh, Melissa and Vincent on uh, the red radio broadcast maybe early this coming year in January. That'd be great. And we'll see if the Lord opens the door. Love it. So Pastor X, again, as we're going through looking at the time of Noah, we understand that uh, there was a, a large uh, increase in the population of people at yes. this time as well. And people are trouble, more people, more trouble. Right, right, <laughs> I imagine right. that's related to some degree. Um, nothing really unusual about that. I mean, God gave Adam a direction to be fruitful and multiply. So right. that's all in keeping with God's plan. But then you mentioned chapter 6. There is some things, some controversial issues there. Uh, s- some Bible scholars disagree about what they see in the text there in chapter 6. Can, yeah. you, can you give us a rundown on that? Well, in chapter 6 of Genesis, uh, verse 1 through 4, for lack of a better label, um, uh, it has a connection with angelic beings, I believe. Uh And we want to give you the options of what uh, is uh, taught in Scripture. 
as well as what's taught by men that sometimes don't agree with Scripture. Again, I want to stay as close to Scripture as possible. But in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, in verse 1 it says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born to them. So the context places this section with chapter 5 when there was a population explosion occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word men there is with the article meaning human beings. Um, daughters were also um, referred here to the normal human beings uh, like you and I. In, uh, in verse 2, the angelic involvement was genetic tampering, if in fact it is. And again, we're using human terms to describe what is going on here. Uh, in verse 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. There are four basic interpretations held as to who are the sons of God. Some believe it refers to the godly seed of Seth, who intermarried with the seed of Cain. Okay. Others believe it refers to a superior kings and rulers. Then there are those who believe uh, that these are demon-possessed individuals. Okay. And then still the fourth is that they believe it refers to angels. Mm. Now the evidence for the phrase sons of God in the Old Testament is important. The phrase is never used for men in the entire Old Testament. Okay, never. It is only used for angels, and the context is Old Testament right now. You find it in Job 1, 6, 2, 1, 38, 7, and Psalm 21, 1, 89, 6, Daniel 3, 25. Okay, so it's for angels. And though there are texts identifying the believer as children of God, but not by the phrase used in our text, Sons of the God. The sons of God. That okay? is only used to that one purpose. Right. So the phrase is very important. Okay. And again, um, you can find the uh, identification for just regular humans. Now, the New Testament does use the phrase for those born again in Matthew 5, 9, John 1, 12. But, yeah. But it's it's very clear that the New Testament is sons of God, those who are born again. Uh-huh. Okay, And this is in the Greek language in the right. New Testament. What's interesting, the Septuagint. Okay, that would be, wait a second, that's the, the Greek, Greek translation. translation of the Hebrew. Okay. Translate this passage, sons of God, as angels. Specifically. Specifically. Wow. Okay. Now, the sons of God took wives for themselves of all whom they chose, it says in verse 2. The simple and most obvious sense is that these angels or angelic beings entered into some kind of marriage covenant. Though it may sound weird, uh, we have to look at the evidence in the context. This was a corruption of the marriage institution and instructions by God to Adam back in Genesis 2, 24, Mm -hmm. 25. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, they two shall be one flesh. Now the sin is parallel to that of the garden, what was forbidden. Right. Genesis 3, 6. Yeah. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful as Eve saw the fruit, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. The sons of God took wives for themselves of all whom they chose as Eve, the pride of life. Now, every appearance of angels in the Bible 
is always in the male gender. I think some people don't know that. You, you know, know they, because you see and, female angels yeah, and it, in the culture. And all if the time. you're a, a woman liberal, listen, get over it. <laughs> all the angels are male. God is male. Amen. Not female. Yeah. Okay. And so there's not one appearance, there's not one text that shows a female angel. Whenever angels appear, they are in the male form and gender. Now, the text does not imply any forcing of the women, but a consent of the will by both their fathers and the women regarding the union and marriage here. But look at verse 3. It says the divine verdict here on the angelic activity on the earth because God is focusing on this is a problem. Right. God declared, And the Lord Yahweh said, My spirit shall not always strive with man forever. So the words are those of Yahweh, the covenant God, all capital letters, L-O-R-D. And the word strive means to contend or plead. Some have pointed um, to the cognates to mean abide, both implying the end of God's spirit with man to turn him from his sin, death, and judgment. Amen. Now, this sounds to me like the beginning of a pronouncement of judgment from yes, God absolutely. upon the earth. It's not complete, but it, it starts there. Now, um, there is a parallel as God expels man from the garden, right. lest he eat and live forever in a fallen state in Genesis 3, 22. Now, the context here could indicate man attempting to live forever through this angelic man cohabitation, if such is the case. Now, the historical perspective of interpretation that these were, in fact, angels is insightful and of great value. So we're not dealing with the fact that it could be angels just because we have made it up. Or because it's sensational. Okay. Or, yeah. we, we've given already the, the way the word is used, the phrase. Right. Um, and, and now the oldest view and the and even of the most modern commentators is the view that uh, uh, assumes in the earlier Jewish exegesis the Dead Sea Scrolls. The earliest Christian writers believe and taught interpretation of it being angels, Justin, Iranian, Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, Origen. So um, the Jewish exegesis is that these were angels. Amen. Is the oldest. A lot of people don't know probably that the Dead Sea Scrolls were not only copies of Scripture, but there were all kinds of other Jewish writings in there as well as commentaries on the Old Testament and other religious and important uh, books. And so we have that record available that actually the Jewish uh, people of the time commented on this passage from Genesis 6, believing that they were talking specifically about angels. And again, you mentioned the early church fathers there. Right, right. There seems to be some controversy over the term uh, giants uh, in verse 4. Does that come from a problem in the Hebrew language? Well, um, here we have the divine description of the angelic activity with the daughters of men. Right, okay. We have to take the context. Right. We can't deviate. The inhabitants were identified. These were giants on the earth. Uh, There were giants on the earth in those days and also Afterwards, get the two. The word giants, Nephilims, comes from Nephel, to fall or cast down. The general consensus is that it refers to um, vicious people, attackers, warriors. 
Now, these giants were present in those days and afterwards. That's important. Meaning pre-flood, the period of these angels, sons of God, came into the daughters of men and bore children, not after the flood, but during the 120 years of grace till the flood. Okay. So the context is very important. It tells us before and afterwards. Now, the scriptures tell us that a third of the angels fell following Satan. Right. We, we get that from 12, Revelation. Uh, Revelation right. twelve four. Uh, we hear about the rebellion through Isaiah and that, but we don't know about the amount until John tells us. Now, the indicated sin here is when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. The phrase came into them is a euphemism, as you know, of sexual intercourse. The outcome was children from both parents. Angels are Satan's ministers who can transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, 15. Okay. Now, the believer does not wrestle with flesh and blood, but principality, Ephesians 6, 12. Amen. They're all demon beings. Now, notice in verse 4 there of Genesis 6, the identity of the individual giants was that they were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Mm-hmm. The word renown refers to reputable name. Luther translated tyrants. Interesting. But the context is angelic commingling with human mm-hmm. women with the line of Cain, not Seth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nowhere in the scripture where we see sons of God applied to the family of Seth or in any any way in that that area. Right. Pastor X, what about the scripture in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus says that, uh, what is he, angels are not given in marriage? Right, people point to that. Well, that can't be. All that is saying is that that marriage is not for heaven. It's not teaching that angels are sexless. Okay. And again... Every angel that appears is male form. So it would it would make sense and corroborate the text that the sons of God came into the daughters of men, male with female. Because we have All no right? female angels. No female angels. Amen. Uh, succubuses are just uh, religious uh, stories. And demonic and myth- activity. Mythological Amen. demon activity. Yeah. And so once again, when Jesus says that, he is making a distinction because they asked him, who, this woman who married the seven brothers had her, whose wife will she be? Right. You, you do err not knowing the scripture of the power of God. For in the resurrection, neither will they marry or given in marriage. Why? Because marriage here in the earth is for repopulating the earth yeah. to keep the human race going. In heaven, we're not going to have to repopulate heaven. Yeah. Okay. So the context is very important. So people take scripture out of context and give it a subjective meaning or a cultural meaning. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Are there, Pastor X, other places in the New Testament where it makes reference to this situation? Because it seems pretty startling. Again, we've we've expounded the text, and that's what you need to do in its context, its historical background, mm-hmm. the language. From that three aspects— we have concluded that I believe it is angels, just from the evidence itself. Okay. Now we have the New Testament interpretation and commentary, which, by the way, that is the New Testament that interprets the Old always mm-hmm. accurately, not the reverse. We have a couple of <clears throat> texts in the New Testament 
and provides for strong confirmation for the interpretation of angels. Um, the phrase sons of God is found for man, those born of God's spirit, as we mentioned, but never of angels. Yet in 2 Peter 2, 4 through 5, Peter tells us that certain angels were so vile that God incarcerated them with chains and Tartarus, never to be released until judgment and ties them to the days of Noah in 2 Peter 2, 4 through 5. And then in Jude, it only has one chapter, verse 6 through 7, Jude identifies these certain angels who kept not their first estate, the ones Peter was talking about, with sexual sin by the phrase, as Sodom and Gomorrah. So that makes a connection. And the Gomorrah and Sodom is angels and the men who want to have sex with them. Amen. All right? Yeah. So now if I didn't have Second Peter and Jude, I would say it's craziness. Now, though I cannot rationalize it logically and by my human brain, it doesn't matter. No. The record's the record. It's God's revelation to us. So, um, you know, we have modern-day engineering genetically, and we, um, we think we're smart, and we can, you know, they've cloned uh, uh, sheep and different things. And, and probably people by and, now. And probably people. They just haven't told us. Yeah. But the, um, the, the horror behind that is that man feels himself so selective, so chic, so smart. But what happens... From the process of beginning to the perfection, what about all those flaws, all those mistakes? What happens to the product of that experiment? They're human beings. What are you creating? What yeah, are you doing? Yeah. The judgment, the accountability to God, that you're messing with something that, that you're not able to control. Where a woman and a man come together, they get married, they have a baby. That baby, after the 14th day, that heart is beating and, and all the little limbs and the fingers and the fingernails, everything is being put together. And nine months, that baby pops out. Amen. And there is nothing wrong with that baby. <laughs> it has survived. Lord willing. <laughs> okay? That's God's doing. I mean, when we do genetic engineering on fruit flies, you wind up with a lot of scary things. Right. And, and it's terrible, but they're just fruit flies. Right. And, and all, all mutations, and this is a basic principle in science and biology, and those of you who are out there who have gone to school know this, or you may not want to acknowledge it. Any, any deviation or any attempt to, uh, to better the species, mutations are always inferior, yes. never superior, always inferior. Natural mutations, That's absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that quote from Jurassic Park where the Ian Malcolm character says, uh, <laughs> your scientists were so preoccupied whether or not they, they uh, uh, he says, uh, on whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's so prophetic of our world. Yeah. Whether, Unfortunately. You know, whether people should or should not do things is not, is not in the regular part of the, uh, the conversation mm -hmm. for most technical issues today. Mm -hmm. You know, as we read the account, Genesis, it's interesting how God describes the situation of mankind, how that, uh, 
the only inclination of man's thought process is only evil continually. Yes. Do we we believe that's still the case today, don't we? Absolutely. Pat? There in uh, chapter 6, verse 5, it says, uh, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the imagination of his heart evil continually. Um, all we have to do is look to the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, the philosophy of the day today with the um, progressivism of the last century, as we left the industrial revolution um, into the technological evolution, uh, our, our environment of that, and we have come so far with the um, information age yeah. that we think we are so superior, and, and yet um, we want to convince people that man is good. But if man is good, now, we don't deny the advancements of society. Sure. We don't deny the industrial um, progression of, for the betterment of man. Uh, but with that comes a lot of bad consequences. Absolutely. Um, but certainly it hasn't made man better. The Jeremiah 79 says, The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things, and only God knows it. And if we look at history, do we bear that to be true? Well, in Genesis 6, 5, it says that man's thoughts and imagination is continually evil. Yep. Jeremiah says it. The world at large says it. We didn't have two world wars because man is good. No. We haven't had war all of the human existence with a very few breaks because man is good. We've had wars because man is good for nothing. He is an evil, selfish, self-centered, greedy, corrupt. And if he can steal your candy bar, he will. <laughs> he, he certainly will. Amen. It's true. And, you know, and, it, and it is not, it's not amusing in any way. You know, here in the 21st century, we see the resurgence of slavery. Yes. We've got human trafficking. In, Sex in, trafficking, terrible. which is, is incredible. Um, pedophiliac, all of yes. that. And yes. much of that is being embraced and profited from in a tremendous way with the internet, yeah. with the information age. Yeah. I was just reading out here in Southern California, I believe it's in um, you know Santa Ana, Orange County, that a lot of trafficking goes on in I mean, it's area. hard to believe. If you're not familiar with it, I think if you're not involved with the police agency and mm -hmm. you don't see the evidence of these things, it, you would be absolutely startled. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Again, you see the breakdown of the home. Yeah. Okay? No fathers, no mothers, uh, p uh, divorces. Latchkey uh, kids. People don't even get married. Yeah. Okay? And so people have uh, sanitized the language of the day. Uh, when a child was born out of wedlock, it was called a bastard. Yeah. There was no no last no nice name. He did not have place in honor in society. And the whole loss of gender roles. Yes. Women need to be protected. Right. And that's a necessity. Yeah. The, we don't the most see that. dangerous aspect of, of, of God's creation is a single male. Amen. Absolutely. Single male. <laughs> you know, Pastor X, from Bible skeptics, we hear regularly how uh, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath. And there, you know... No, no reason to think here that God is unconcerned for the loss of life of these people and the judgment that comes as a result of this situation. No. It, it's a misnomer. It's a religious aspect. It's a wrong concept. Because uh, if God was not loved, then why did he wait 120 years before the flood? Amen. Uh, if I, if, if you guys better thank God I wasn't God. I would have smoked you the first day. Um, uh, so God is love. 
It's just that he hates sin and he gives man enough time to repent. Nobody will ever, listen to me, every person in hell right now is not blaming God. No. Every person in hell is blaming themselves and they know they got themselves there because they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did not believe that God is holy. They did not believe that they were evil. They did not believe that they deserved judgment. They did not believe that they would be separated from God if they die without Jesus Christ. And they are there by their own choice. God is love. He's so loving. He sent His only Son to die for us that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he continues to reach out to the entire human race, which is depraved, it is rebellious, it is under God's wrath. But by the grace of God and His love, He reaches out to us and saves us through His Son. Amen. Fortunately for all of us, God looked favorably on Noah. And we have right there in, in, uh, in Genesis the first mention of the word grace. Yes. Yeah. So if you're going to preach grace, you've got to start in Genesis. Amen. It was um, a prophetic um, um, type, if you will, to an extent of the full grace that was given in Jesus Christ to save uh, whoever believes in him, not just the Jew. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ Jesus. The middle wall partition was broken down. And so now we look to Jesus, the only high priest. Amen. It's interesting, Pastor X, you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast that Jesus specifically brought up the days of Noah comparing them to the time of his return. And uh, we have it, you know, in Matthew chapter 24. And it, it's it kind of terrifying yes. that we see, you know, the same, the earmarks, the violence, the it, it, disregard, you know, the, the absence of the fear of God yeah. in the people of our world. A very sexual promiscuous society and yes. world. Yes. Removing all absolutes, all objective truth. Everything's relevant, situational ethics, valid clarification. Headed for a world citizenship that the whole world wants. The UN, Europe, everybody. And we're headed down that direction, waiting and moving towards the Antichrist. And God is looking for his church, saving people before he removes her from this earth. And the wonderful thing is, is that we have hope in the Lord. Yes, absolutely. That there's, there's an answer to all of these things. And it's not that the answer is not that we're going to rehabilitate the world. Yep. We're not going to fix things here. Yeah. And those of you listening, you, you, you have all the right to go to hell. God will not force you to go to heaven. But you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. If you believe that Jesus is God who became man, died for your sins and rose from the dead, that you can call upon him to forgive you of your sin, to change your heart, and make you a son or a daughter of God by grace through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God in Romans 10, 17. And he will transform your heart, your mind. He will set your feet on the solid rock. And he will transform you from day to day, from glory to glory, and prepare you to remove you from this earth if you're alive when he comes for his church. Amen. And that, that is the greatest miracle the great, for God to touch the life of a person and turn their hearts toward him and, and do that work he's, he's intended. Folks, we want to encourage you to take advantage of the resources available, especially the Bible that you have. Uh, we encourage you to, to labor and, and look and learn and read and serve the Lord. Allow his word to 
work in your heart and mind to strengthen you and to draw you close to him. And then we have uh, resources at the Calvary Chapel website, calvarychapel.com. You can... Uh, CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. I'm yeah. sorry. Thank no, you, okay. John. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but there's a ton of wonderful Bible studies, study notes, PDF copies of Pastor Xavier's notes. Podcasts. Yeah. So much, so yeah. much. Make, the, make use of all of that. And again, remember, keep it simple. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.